This is the Family Culture Project, episode 55. Five conversations we must have with our children with guest Vicki Courtney. We're Carl and Kimberly Amici, and we're here to help you to live a life of purpose with the ones you love. And become the family you are meant to be. Our family culture is built on our beliefs, values, and the things we practice on a regular basis. One of the ways we pass on our beliefs and values through our children is through the conversations we have. Whether you stumble upon a teachable moment or set aside time to talk, these are conversations you want to be sure to have. So our guest today, Vicki Courtney, wrote two books about 10 years ago about the five conversations you must have with your girls and the five conversations you must have with your boys. And recently she did updated editions of them. And it was such a great conversation because I read the five conversations you must have with your daughter years ago when it first came out when my girls were really young and quite a lot has changed since then and i'm super excited to have this conversation with her and order her book because i needed to be aware of the conversations that i'm supposed to be having with my now teen daughters now the conversations that she talks about us having in these books are conversations that we should be having with our kids when they're very, very young and we're supposed to be continuing to have these conversations as they've gotten older. And unfortunately, when I got the book, I remember thinking, oh great, this is something that I need to know and I'll revisit it when they get older. I'll revisit these conversations when they're old enough to handle the things that are in this book. And that was, I think, a big mistake on my part because as I've gained experience as a parent, I realized that the things that I shared with my children when they were younger, I've just seen more success in those areas. So the idea is not to wait until they're teenagers to address their self-image, their sexuality, their confidence. It's really something that I should be addressing when they're much, much younger and then changing those conversations to be age appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, we we have made a few mistakes. I'm sure as many of us have experienced things that we wish we covered earlier and especially on the stickier subjects where before it gets weird for them to talk to a parent about sex um talk to them about it because at the younger ages it's not weird there's still questions there it Mm -hmm. it, it can be age appropriate and then they're used to talking to you about it so it's not you know sometimes if you wait a little bit longer it it becomes weird and they actually don't want to listen to you Mm -hmm. um even though it may be good advice for them and they kind of want to listen but it's that weird factor that can prevent um, a good communication on a subject like that mm-hmm. from happening and the ability to really talk about it openly, which, again, as parents, stream extremely important um, and, and, and certainly important when you're trying to build a strong family a unit. Yeah, I mean, like, as our kids get older, there may be pushback from them on things that they want to talk about, but Vicki really encourages us to, like, s- stick to our guns know that these conversations are important and don't back down from them. You know, we've mentioned this before in the past, I've started reading books with my kids and you know, they don't always want to sit down and read these books that I want to read because they're typically nonfiction. They're typically about faith or personal growth. And it's not that they don't agree with the books or they don't want to hear about it. It's just, it's not like 
what we've always done. And as I introduce these new things and these new conversations, there is going to be pushback. But one of the things that I have gotten right is that I just keep at it. I just keep saying it's time to sit down. It's time to talk. And more and more as we make these things a habit, as we continually to do these small steps, we start to change the culture of our home and we start to change the way we do things. Yeah, I get I, I, what I get out of what you're saying there, and, and I get this through your own experiences with our daughters, especially, is 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 keep at it. Mm-hmm. Um, don't give up on the, the the pushback the first, second, and third time, mm-hmm. because the fourth, fifth, and sixth time becomes much better, and then it becomes, like you said, not only habit but um, an expectation plus something that they actually wind up enjoying because they are learning and sharing in a safer environment. And uh, it's a little bit of a hump to say get there, but getting there is worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if your children are younger, it's really important that no matter what your family values and beliefs are, that you are the first voice in your kid's life, because that's the one they're going to remember. And that's the one they're going to go back to. It it's, it's not enough to just let culture, to let their friends at school or to let, um, you know, media tell them what they should believe about your values we want to create the standard and that is what building culture is and we're doing this on purpose as we always talk about it's it's purpose we can't leave our culture to what our kids are exposed to not only at school but in social media deciding what you believe and what you value the most and intentionally making that part of the conversations you have with one another and good communication is a skill but it takes repetition and practice sometimes to get it right because communication is the foundation and the glue of your culture. And you really want to practice conversations and make sure that you ch- your children know that there's nothing that is off limits. And when you introduce these conversations that Vicki talks about, you really create an environment where they're safe to talk to you. It reminds me a little bit back to a, a, few, a few episodes ago when we talked about good listening skills. That that That's where... You know, obviously that episode is a great reminder of how do you do this mm-hmm. and, and, and having the good listening skills um, is a very important part of these conversations. Oh, absolutely. Because if you're sharing with them the things that you want them to learn and then you're really paying attention to what they have to say back to you and you're showing them that you're interested in what they think of those things, there's going to be a lot more buy-in to the principles that you're introducing and the values and the beliefs that you're introducing. Yeah, it's the strong listening skills that build the trust factor that you need to build Mm -hmm. the culture that you want to have. Mm Mm-hmm. So I absolutely love this interview. You know, she shares a lot with us tips on how to have these conversations. Um, So listen for those. But I also love that she shares personal experience. She has shared what it was like when she started having these conversations with her kids. And she also shares with us the fruit of it in her now adult kids. And she's very vulnerable and she's very transparent about some of the struggles that her children, her son particularly, has gone through and how just the foundation that she created with the initial discussions that they had really contributes to the success of the success and fruitful lives that they're living now as adults. Do you want to know what your loved ones really think of you? We've created the family retreat packet to help you connect with one another and get honest feedback on how you are doing as a family. It's like a 360 peer review, but for families. It takes the guesswork out of planning because it includes everything you need to host your own family's retreat, such as a sample itinerary, a packing list, and activity suggestions. Go to www.thefamilycultureproject.com 
And for only $4.99, you can download the Family Retreat Packet and host your own family retreat. Be sure to type in the, T-H-E, familycultureproject.com forward slash shop to get your copy. Today, I'm talking with Vicki Courtney. Vicki is a national speaker to women of all ages and the best-selling author of numerous books and Bible studies, including Move On, Ever After, Five Conversations You Must Have With Your Daughter, and Five Conversations You Must Have With Your Son. She is a two-time ECPA Christian Book Award winner and has appeared on CNN and Fox News as a youth culture commentator. Vicki and her husband, Keith, reside in Austin, Texas, and are the proud parents of three grown children, two daughter-in-laws and a son-in-law. They also have four grandsons and a granddaughter and are blessed to have all of their children living by in nearby Austin and Houston. I'm excited to welcome Vicki Courtney to the podcast. Well, I appreciate your inviting me to come on the show, and I'm looking forward to it. One of the questions that we're starting to ask all of the guests that are on this show is what is your family known for? Oh, wow. I mean, of course, I think everybody would want to answer that we're known for our faith, hopefully, but I feel very blessed to be on this side of it. You know, looking back Mm -hmm. on the parenting journey now in my rearview mirror, I'm an empty nester. My three kids are grown young adults. They're all married. They um, are all raising one or more children. Mm -hmm. And so I'm in the grandparent stage of life. And so I just, not a day goes by that I don't pinch myself and thank God Mm -hmm. that my children um, are following Jesus. They love Jesus more than life itself. They married spouses who love Jesus Mm -hmm. and now they're raising their children to love Jesus. So I I know that sounds like the default answer that we want to be known for our faith in Christ. But I, you know, I just, it's funny you asked that because I just posted uh, minutes before we went on the show here to Instagram and Facebook, this, the cutest video, uh, or clip my daughter sent me last night of my son-in-law saying prayers with my two-year-old granddaughter teaching her to pray. And so, you know, it's just like, I guess that's what I would want my family to be known for. Mm -hmm. It's just that our prayers pave, you know, that legacy of faith that we also hope that we will see the fruit, you know, in generations to come. So Mm -hmm. sorry, long answer to a short question, but So let me ask it in a a slightly different way. When your grandkids come to your house, what do they know they're going to get at grandma's house? Like, what does that mean to them? Like, is there something that they're like... sugar, no. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Well, grandkids, grandkids, sugar, they make a beeline for my pantry because, you know, I stock up on everything junky for them. Uh Uh, But no, we totally value family time. I'm blessed that two of my kids... um, live in town and the mm-hmm. other one's not far away, two and a half hours away. So they always know when they come here, there's, it's, it's their home too. They yeah. can come in, they can plop down on the sofa. They can go raid my pantry, just like old times. And yeah. we're just, you know, and we, there's nothing off limits that we can't talk about or won't talk about. Yeah. So oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Lots of sugar and lots of love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, so what are the five conversations that we should be having with our boys and girls? And so now you have experience, you have raised children, they are grownups now, and you've seen the fruit of these conversations. So tell us what they are. Sure, sure. Okay. So, you know, and let me, let me preface that in saying Mm -hmm. that these five conversations, the whole idea, you know, in, in writing this book is that first of all, moms would have the confidence to begin these necessary conversations, but these are not one-time conversations. So I, I want to share that on the front end that 
you know, the whole idea is that these are conversations that you would begin today and continue through the years. And it even says mm -hmm. on the back cover from the cradle to college, you know, mm -hmm. um, tell your sons or daughters the truth about life before they believe the culture's lies. So mm -hmm. that said, you know, I, I talk about uh, in conversation one, don't let the culture define you. Um, that's talking about just the pressure our kids feel to conform to certain stereotypes out there, whether it's, you know, regarding uh, biblical femininity, masculinity, um, just, you know, everything under the sun, really, as far mm -hmm. as the pressure they're up against with their faith uh, to conform to the culture's norms. Um, in conversation two, I jump in and we talk about what it looks like to guard your heart. Um, that one, I would say the main theme is going to be just all those digital distractions that our kids have, whether it's social media or screen time when our kids are even young, what the uh, statistics say nowadays, the studies that are out there um, with our boys, especially. We, I talk a lot about the dangers of pornography, not just, you know, not really, you know, saying to our boys, hey, this is not a good idea. You know, this is what God's word says. But I go a step further, you know, this is what's going on brain chemistry wise. Mm -hmm. This is the long-term effects. And so, you know, really uh, dive deep into the why behind God's standards, uh, not just a simple, don't do it, not a good mm -hmm. idea. Mm -hmm. um, conversation three is have a little sex respect. So this is where we dive into, you know, at what age should we start talking about the birds and the bees? Um, how much do we tell our kids? you know, in regard to that, um, you know, just some very candid conversations there. Conversation four is childhood is only for a season. So, you know, this is going to really tackle that um, idea that we need to be intentional when it comes to having a launch plan for our kids. Uh, this new generation of kids that I really, I was writing to in sense of mom and dad raising now what they, they refer to as Gen Z or iGen. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the studies are showing that they are hesitant to grow up. There's a prolonged period wow, yeah. of adolescence that now translates into, you know, these kids are, are moving on to college or out of the nest and into the workforce and mm -hmm. they're very ill prepared for life in general. And so mm -hmm. that's, that conversation deals a lot with how we can be more intentional in providing a launch plan for our sons and our daughters. And then the final and really most important conversation is you are who you've been becoming. And this is where I mm -hmm. dive into, you know, spiritual disciplines and what does that look like to cultivate prayer and a love of God's word um, in the lives of your children. And of course, modeling it firsthand for yourself. And um, so, yeah, it's hard to summarize 250 yeah. some odd pages, you know, of a book and five conversations, but um that's just a quick, you know, Cliff's Notes sort of overview for your listeners. Um, yeah. And then each of those conversations, of course, has, well, has about three supporting chapters to each one. And the chapters, they overlap some in the daughter versus son book, but a lot of the chapter content is different based on, you know, whether or not you're raising a son or whether or not you're mm -hmm. raising a daughter. And so, um, you know, just gender specific in regard to that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that you, you've included the why, because I think the why is so important because that's what fuels us to continue the conversation is because that it's important and that we're not just having it to have rules in place. And I think that um, when I grew up, there was a lot of things my mom, you know, my parents told me not to do, like don't have sex before you're married. But that was the end of the conversation. Like, I'm like, right, right. Tell me why you're just not supposed to. I'm like, okay, but I it didn't equip me enough 
to make the choice when the opportunity presented itself to make the right choice. You know, I was, I was, I, it's easy to rebel against the rules, but when you know the why, it just goes so much more to the heart of, of why you're doing what you're doing. Um, right. I think that's super. Yeah. Important. And I love that you, you bring that up because that was something that even in doing my research for the mm -hmm. earlier editions of these books. So, you know, a lot of your listeners may have young kids. And so they may not realize that I actually wrote these books and they came out um, eight and 10 years ago, mm -hmm. eight years ago for the book on raising sons and 10 years ago on the book on raising daughters. And my publisher approached me a couple of years ago and said, you know, how, would you consider updating the books? Because a whole lot has changed yeah. and a lot had changed with me. I mean, when I was writing the books, I still had one or more kids in the nest. I was on the tail end of my parenting journey. I was right there on the cusp of launching them into the college years. And mm -hmm. so by the time my um, publisher came around asking for me to update these books, I was well into the empty nest chapter and really quite enjoying it and enjoying the ignorance's bliss stage of life. Yeah. Like I <laughs> no longer have to know what the challenges are in raising these kids because now I am the Mimi. And yeah. I get to enjoy that part of it where I just spoil them rotten and send them home yeah. and, you know, pray that my kids, you know, pray <laughs> for their strength and their endurance and all of those wonderful things. But, um, so, you know, I, I agreed to do it with a little bit of fear and trembling, honestly, mm -hmm. you know, and as I started diving into researching this new generation, and that's really Kimberly, what I was faced with is that I realized that yeah. the the original books were written to by and large, you know, parents raising millennial children. And now I was faced with the task of writing um, this book to parents, a lot of the millennial parents raising mm -hmm. this new generation of children, I Gen, Gen Z, they haven't decided what they're going to call them. Yeah. Uh, but this generation is very different from millennials. And, you know, they're really the studies show this is the first generation of children growing up in post-Christian America. And that, that's sad. And that, you know, that kind of makes our heart skip a beat to hear that. Yeah. But yet I'm a reality based parent. I want to know the truth. I want to know what are the challenges we're facing um, in raising this generation? Because, you know, the truth is, even though it was hard for me to read about, uh, you know, so much, you know, mental health issues skyrocketing for this generation with anxiety and depression and mm -hmm. suicide rate going up and scary things that we don't want to think about. I mean, the truth is, I, I, I have skin in this game. You know, I've got five grandkids soon to be six, another mm -hmm. one on the way very soon here. And, uh, and so I've got skin in the game and I want to be the, the grandmother that's on the front lines and my husband feels the same way and um, fighting these battles with our children who are now raising our grandchildren. Um, and so the, the beautiful thing about this is, is and I want to make sure that I express a lot of hope in this, is that even though I was reading some scary statistics out there, we have to remember Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, you know, he, and God continued to remind me of that as I was writing these updated versions of the books that none of this has caught him off guard. And, you know, and on top of that, what a beautiful thing that it's by no accident that God intended for each of my grandchildren to be born mm -hmm. into this generation and mm -hmm. your children to be born into this generation. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited about what the future holds. And if anything, I've shared with a lot of moms along the way, I think never before have we seen so many opportunities to be a shining light for Christ in the gospel. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, this generation is going to experience, uh, I call it the chase, you know, where we're chasing after so many things to fill that empty yeah. in our hearts. 
and never before have there been so many options for them to fill that void with. And so what that really translates into is that this generation is going to come up short a lot quicker than maybe we did. Mm. And we have the answers and our, our children, we want to make sure they have the answer and that with confidence, we have these conversations with them and we're not at all shocked or surprised by a lot of the things they're bringing to us. And we can, I've, I've had some amazing conversations with even my seven-year-old grandson. He's the oldest of the, the pack of grandchildren and, you know, just about that empty place in his heart. And that everybody has that walker, you know, and we all try to fill it with so many different things. And Mimi has that too. And, you know, at the end of the day, only Jesus Christ will fill that empty place in your heart. And uh, what a neat thing that God has given us the ability or the job to tell other people, you know, that Jesus Christ is the answer. The only thing that will fill that void permanently. And so, you know, I want to be sure to express a lot of hope to your listeners, because I think there's a lot of doom and gloom statistics out there. And I have a lot of them in my book. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I tell people that are picking up, it's like, okay, I want to warn you. It's a little bit scary in places, but keep reading, you know, and, mm-hmm. and remember the hope, remember yeah. the hope. Yeah. So how much of your book would you book your two books? Would you say is new? Oh goodness. I'd say at least 60, 65% new, wow. new, brand new material. Mm-hmm. And going into it, my publisher said, you know, Hey, uh, they actually in the contract, it was like, if you could change up about 20, 25%, I ended up writing two new books. And so it was, you know, I, again, as I was, as I was researching hundreds of articles, dozens of books on this generation, Gen Z, I, Gen, um, I knew a lot of the book, the books had to be changed Mm -hmm. to just get them up to date with the challenges parents are, are facing today. Again, back when I wrote them eight and 10 years ago, we weren't even seeing, um, the skyrocketing levels of mental illness that we mm-hmm. see in children today. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was writing about um, eight and 10 years ago, you know, I am in your friends and MySpace. Remember MySpace? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, well, all that's been <laughs> replaced now with, yeah. you know, um, new challenges. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, and kids eight and 10 years ago, they were just starting, they were on the brink of parents were, um, handing them phones or smartphones, you know, at a much younger age. And now that that's what's happened with, you know, there's, there's a link and I I share, you know, especially in conversation too, some things that we need to be thinking about before Mm -hmm. we um, hand a tablet over to our children or a smartphone at an age where they're not quite ready, you know, and and I share a lot about just, again, the brain science behind all that. They're uh, for lack of a better term, their, their, their brains are half baked at that point. And, you know, they're, lacking frontal lobe development and a lot of what uh, comes at them in the way of social media and other changes, challenges out there, they're emotionally not ready to um, handle or dissect mm-hmm. what they're seeing online. And um, so we need to be careful that we're drawing boundaries, but we're also, you know, we're understanding too, that there's a pressure on our children to you know, I mean, it's that same FOMO factor that we all have that fear of missing out, you know, our kids mm-hmm. have that too. And, yeah. and so you can go overboard with making, uh, having so many restrictions that your children are then, you know, it's the, the, you go back to the law of forbidden fruit. And there were times in my parenting where I would get scared uh, about, you know, some of this stuff and I would pull back and I would overprotect if you would. And then I'd have to come around and sort of, you know, find a, a more medium balance, realizing that 
well, my kids are either going to sneak around and they did at times do that because they were being forbidden or, you know, they were going to be wanting for it so badly that the minute they left the nest, they were going to go crazy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have to weigh in. And, and this is where, again, I love being the empty nester now that can come alongside moms such as yourself and be a cheerleader and mm -hmm. say, you're not going to always get it right. But fortunately, God wasn't looking for parent, perfect parents to come along and raise perfect children. You know, he was looking for imperfect parents who yeah. acknowledge that they're raising imperfect children who are reliant upon a perfect God and mm -hmm. who aren't afraid to say along the way, like we, you know, we are a work in progress to your children. And I think a lot of times we feel that pressure, you know, mm -hmm. from culture that, especially in a church that, no, you can't let your guard down. You gotta, you, you gotta yeah. make your kids think that you got it all together. And, um, and that's where I've been most encouraged, you know, in the relationship that my husband and I have with our children today, we feel so incredibly blessed because now we can say, you know, we are friends of our children and, you know, we, the pressure's off and we enjoy each other's company. Mm -hmm. And it's such a sweet, sweet place to be in. I, I love mm -hmm. this chapter. Uh, but we also realize too, that there's so much grace extended, you know, and we, we sit around and laugh about, Oh, remember that time, mom, went way <laughs> you know, and then you, then you'll hear your child and your adult child, the next minute saying something about, well, my child will never do da, 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 da. And I'm like, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. Right. A hard time. <laughs> yeah. So, so you said that these conversations should happen from cradle to grave. So you know, I'm all for keeping my eyes open for teachable moments, but I don't always get them. I don't have the, always have the opportunity to like have the conversations I want to have with them. So how can we, do you have any tips for how we can approach these conversations on purpose and with a plan without being too like wonky about it? <laughs> sure. You know, and, and here's where I would say the earlier you can start engaging in these conversations, even if they feel awkward, the better, mm -hmm. the easier it's going mm -hmm. to be on down the road. So, you know, for moms, if you've got a, your, your child's, you know, 14, 15, and you're like, oh, wow, you know, you're starting to sense like you, you maybe you're getting an eye roll from your daughter or your son's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to talk about that. No way. You know, no, I, this is so weird and awkward, mom. No, you know, that's when they start to turn that corner of, you know, before they are, they look, they're like sponges take mm -hmm. advantage of that when they are like sponges and they, you know, I, I've joked before when I used to do a lot of mother daughter conferences, I still do a handful each year. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would, you joke with moms that, you know, prior to middle school, um, your, your daughters generally think you hung the moon and then they turn this corner and then they think you're overnight. They think you're from the moon. Mm -hmm. And so it's that quickly that it shifts. And so yeah. take advantage of those years where, um, they really, you know, they are soaking it up like a sponge and, um, and don't be afraid to even say, you know, Hey, I know this is awkward. I know sometimes it's going to feel really uncomfortable. guess what? I'm uncomfortable too talking about this stuff, but you know, God has appointed me to be your guardian in the sense of while I have you here in this nest for 18 years, at least that's mm -hmm. what it's supposed to be. And I am, you know, I, that's basically, he's looking to me to do a good job. Mm -hmm. And part of me doing a good job that God's entrusted to me is that I'm going to have some of these conversations with you along the way. And yeah, sometimes it's going to feel awkward or weird. And, mm -hmm. uh, but we're having these conversations because I love you and I want to be a responsible parent. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and these are things that God requires of us. And, you know, he's been in modeling to you uh, what it looks like to disciple you along the way and to talk about certain things as you rise up and as you walk along the way mm-hmm. and going back mm-hmm. to our, the command in Deuteronomy. And so, you know, just letting our kids know again on the front end, we're going to be talking about these things through the years. Yeah. And I would say if you have moms listening and their kids have entered the teen years and they're already in the eye roll phase of life and, you know, putting their hand up like, no, you know, and to maybe have a conversation with them like, Hey, um, I realize now that along the way, I probably should have been talking about many of these things. Mm -hmm. And so better late than never. And I know this may be uncomfortable, but we're going to be making up for some lost time and having some necessary conversations from this point forward. Mm-hmm. And so again, you know, confidence goes a long, a long way with our kids. And I, I hate that, you know, I, I think there's so much out there that makes us afraid mm-hmm. as parents and mothers today. And I tell moms all the time, you know, I've been you, I've been in your shoes. I felt fear over, look at the statistics, you know, how do I even, mm-hmm. is there any hope? Does it even matter if I have this conversation? Yes, it matters. I'm on the other side of it. I'm not saying that I had these conversations with my kids and they had a perfect track record. And I very vulnerably share that in these books that, that my kids do not have a perfect track record. This is not the kind of book where you read it. Um, it's a checklist of conversations. And then there's this you know, money back guarantee that if your kids stray from the path of God, you can write me an email or whatever, and I will send you (laughs) your whatever 12 bucks or 15 bucks back. No, you know, because my kids messed up too along the way. And so this is not one of those, oh, I feel better about the job I'm doing because I'm having these conversations. This is one of those things where this is what it looks like to be a good steward with the Mm -hmm. responsibility God's given us. But then guess what? We lead the results to God. And I think back at, you know, the passage where Paul talked about, I planted Apollos water, but God brought the results. And, you know, to me, that's our role. We plant and we water, but we look to God to bring the results. And sometimes we don't see growth immediately. Sometimes we don't see growth even when they leave the nest. And I know that's discouraging for a lot of moms to think, oh no, you know, I mean, you pour all this time and this attention and prayer into it. No, I want to see immediate results, but we always know that growth is going on under the soil. And so, you know, I, I would want to encourage you, the moms listening with that as well, that if they have the teenagers and they're getting the eye rolls, remember that your job is to, to plant and to water these holy deposits along the way. We don't always see the growth above the soil, um, but God is faithful. And so uh, we don't give up on that, but have yeah. confidence. Yeah. Don't power away. I, there, there are times I, you know, my kids, because we, you know, I would tell them there's nothing off limits that you can't talk to me about. Mm-hmm. Now, depending on your child's temperament, my older son is more of an introvert. And so he wasn't one to really, you know, we had, we have a great relationship, but during his growing up years, he wasn't one to like come to us and take the initiative to bring yeah. up things. My daughter was more, she was sort of a deep thinker, but she kept things inside. So it was hard to get her to, to express what she was mm-hmm. feeling on at school. My youngest son was an open book. It was almost like, Oh, Oh my word. I can't believe you just said that out loud, you know, but yet we had said you could come to us about anything. And he did. So, you know, every yeah. child is different in regard to that, but 
you know, I always tell moms, learn the, you know, have the poker face. Don't ever react when your children come to you and they say, you'll never believe what happened at school today. I mean, <laughs> if you look, if you respond back to them with, are you kidding me? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and then they, they feel your shock and then they're, they're filing that away. Like, Oh no, mom really can't handle this. Right. Mm, he has good. no idea what it's really like to live yeah. in culture today. Yeah. So I always tell moms, you know, if you have to practice in front of your bathroom mirror, get, you know, get that poker face down to where you're like, Oh yeah, no, I'm not surprised that the kids yeah. are talking about that. Or I'm not surprised that your friend did this, or yeah. I'm not surprised you're even tempted to do this. And, you know, and so then they're That's feeling good. Or like, okay, mom's a safe place. We can, mm -hmm. we can bring these things to her. Yeah. I think you had so many tips in there that were so helpful, especially like being vulnerable and saying, hey, I probably should have talked to you about this earlier. I mean, like it never occurred to me to sort of use that language um, because I, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm beating myself for not having that conversation earlier. And I feel like if I were vulnerable, then that lose credibility. But I know in my head that that's not always true. Like you gain, cre you gain credibility when you're vulnerable and honest. Um, and the poker yes. face. Yeah. That's something I definitely have to remind myself of because, um, yeah, they're testing the waters when they bring things to you. And if they think you're going to freak out, then that may be the last time. Um, yeah. And so yeah, encouraging. You know, and along that, Go ahead. Well, and I was gonna say along that, that lines of just, I think that's been one of the biggest surprises since launching my children is mm -hmm. hearing back from them that it's not necessarily the content of the conversations they remember, which I know doesn't really market my books very well, right? <laughs> I'm still saying these are valuable, but yeah. you know, in my youngest son, I'll share, he, uh, in the five conversations you must have with your son book, I share, and with his permission, a struggle that we discovered just several years ago, and mm -hmm. part of his testimony is a struggle with pornography. And so I was writing about eight years ago um, in, in the original book, the brain chemistry, you know, what's going on here. I was having, I was a mother and I, not to pat myself on the back here, but not many mothers were having the conversation with mm -hmm. their sons about the brain chemistry component, what's going on with all of that. Mm -hmm. And so here we fast forward to now I'm, re I'm updating these books and my son has come through a very difficult struggle where he has opened up to his wife. Um, he has shared with my husband and myself, and I share with his permission about that struggle in the book. And in the, at the end of the book, in the appendix, he even shares a, we have a bonus conversation that my son wrote as a 26 year old, young, mm -hmm. now married uh, husband, father of a one year old, an encouraging note to moms such as yourself who are raising mm -hmm. sons. Yeah. And what there's in that note that was so powerful to me is he talks about the importance, you know, moms of having these conversations with your sons, but the biggest takeaway he shares that uh, I left with him was not the content of these conversations and the tons of information that I gave him, but it was the truth that no sin is too big for the forgiveness mm -hmm. of, of Christ. Yeah. And that you can never out sin God. Mm -hmm. And that I also shared with him, I modeled for him along the way. Uh, and it was interesting. I thought, what an interesting way to word this. And again, I'm not sure this is a great endorsement for who I am on my books, but I, I'm pretty proud <laughs> of it today. But he said, mom, you were never afraid to let us know that you were just as big a mess as we were. Mm. And I thought, how interesting that 
along the lines of what we're talking about, Kimberly, is this pressure that I feel like we, you know, we constantly, we put on ourselves and we allow others to put on us as well, that we have to have our act mm -hmm. together. And yet how powerful is that, that my son's biggest takeaway was that mom, it was your vulnerability mm. that you were a work in progress too. Yeah. And that you were, you were, you were a student and a, a disciple, just like I was on this journey and God is still teaching you things and you weren't afraid to tell us, Hey, this is still a struggle in my life. I tend to fill this hole in my heart with things, whether it's social media or shopping or whatever, you know, and yeah. somebody else is filling it with an addiction or pornography or, you know, whatever that might be. Mm. Um, I wasn't afraid to share that the struggle is real for all of us. Mm -hmm. And so I want to give that hope to your moms that yeah. what a, I mean, just the pressure that comes off us that your children actually take that away is one of the most valuable things they learn that you could share with them that you don't have to have it all together. Yeah. And you're also learning. Yeah, this is a journey for you as well. Oh yeah. That's so good. And those, like you said, like, you're sowing those seeds with those conversations and your son breaking free of what he broke free from was a product of the seeds that you had sown through those conversations, right? So it's not I, this I isn't about never doing it. It's about having the ability to walk away from it and struggle through it and then come out on the other side. Yes. Beautifully said. And I look at where he is today and honestly, it's, it's just brings tears to my eyes. He's leading a group of mm -hmm. young men at his church. He meets one-on-one -on -one with so many young men and, mm. um, you know, he tells me over and over again, this problem is epidemic. That is the word. It yeah. is epidemic among our young men. I think moms have absolutely no idea how prevalent it is. And one mm. of the things that um, is so disturbing to my son is how it, just in the church, we, you know, even as along the way, when he would share that he had this problem. There, he so often he got the response from, you know, stat, whether it was someone on staff at church or, you know, a young life mentor or whatever that mm -hmm. like, we'll join the club, kind of join mm -hmm. the club. We all have this problem. And he, you know, he feels like it is um, one of the things that God has given him as a mission is to let young men know that, no, you actually can be free. Mm -hmm. You can really be 100% free. Now it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be uh, a full-time job. You're going to have to work on it. Yeah. But if you, you know, if that's a lie of the enemy to believe that, you know, join the club, everyone really has this problem. And so I feel like God is rising up, giving him a ministry, even in this. Uh, and he, you know, for him to take that step to get help at the age of really 23, 24 as mm -hmm. a young young man who had just married. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what he says, you know, is that in having the conversations along the way and knowing that he could always come boldly before the throne of grace, he didn't want to be the um, married man in his, or for that matter, divorced man in his forties, fifties mm -hmm. that has, yeah. you know, accepted uh, defeat along the way that the, you know, kind of a join the club mentality. He wanted mm -hmm. to get in and break free from this uh, for mm -hmm. the sake of his marriage, for the sake of his soul, for the sake of raising his own son now. And, yeah. and that's the hope I want to get mom, give moms is that again, I think a lot of times we're looking for a formula uh, to raise our children. And I share that in the book that 
you know, we, we'd like to think that, okay, if we, you know, have these little boxes we can check off and there's this formula, then my kids will, you know, grow up and they will not struggle with these things because yeah. I was able to, you know, to tick off all those boxes, you know, and the beauty of it is that I look at where my son is today and he has a closer relationship with the Lord than most 26 year old young men, given mm -hmm. his uh, hurdle along the way. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's the hope I want moms to know is that we're not talking about a perfect track record along the way. We're talking about modeling the gospel to your children. That mm -hmm. again, you know, we are all sinners saved by grace. Um, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That what we're trying to teach our children is not behavior modification, yeah. but this is heart examination. Mm -hmm. This is a constant going before the Lord, examining our hearts on a daily basis. And I talk a lot about that in conversation five and what that looks like, because I think it's easy to get caught up in the whole, there's a formula to be a good mm -hmm. parent. And there's a mm -hmm. formula to raise godly children. And, you know, I mean, we, we look at the story of the prodigal son and the elder brother, the elder brother, you know, was big into probably behavior modification. Yeah. And, you know, yet you look at the prodigal son and he had to learn some things the hard way, like my youngest son, but wow, you know, he, yeah. he ended up with a heart that was soft toward God. And, you know, I look at that story and I'm like, which one is probably going to make the biggest difference. Yeah. And so, you know, so often in that story, we're like, we don't want to raise the prodigal. <laughs> Well, guess what? Sometimes, sometimes, yeah, the prodigals turn around and change the world for Christ mm -hmm. and the elder sons, you know, that sort of personality are so busy pointing their finger at everybody else, <laughs> you know, that, that they're, yeah. I, and mm -hmm. so I, I just, you know, on this side of it, again, it's so, it's so easy to see or so much easier to see. It's like, a, there's so many conversations I go back and have with my younger mom self and go hang in there. Yeah. Don't worry about the formula. Don't worry about, you know, the things you're not seeing in your children's lives right now. Mm -hmm. God hears your prayers. He's working beneath the soil of their hearts. Uh, you may not see the fruit today or that growth. Um, mm -hmm. but, you know, just wait, just wait and yeah. see what I, what I'm doing. Yeah. And so I'd give that hope to the moms as well. Yeah. That is so encouraging. Well, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing this topic and telling us about your books. Um, it's been fantastic. And I've learned a lot already that I can put into practice literally today when my kids get home from school. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, yeah, I know I sounded like a fire hydrant. Don't do that to no. your children. You know, break it up, moms. Break it up. You know? Yeah. You're like, yeah. Oh, there. What happened? Yeah. No, it was fantastic. Well, All right, thanks thank so you. much for having me, Kimberly. You can find Vicki at VickiCourtney.com. She's on Instagram as Vicki Courtney, and she's on Facebook as VJ Courtney. We'll link to all of this in the show notes. The Family Culture Project has a great website, but do you know what's an even better one? My wife's. She's been at this blogging thing for a while now, and she has a lot of smart things to say about faith, family, and community. Aw, thanks, babe. When you're done listening to this episode, head over to KimberlyAmici.com and see what I'm talking about. And don't forget, family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose. Hey, that's my line. To learn more about the Family Culture Project, go to thefamilycultureproject.com.